they were there. Ain't that the truth? And they're there right now, standing on the wall, right now, in your place, in my place, for us. And yet, uh, Stephen gets paid. I was looking at a number of statistics about, and thank goodness I don't have a name to add to our list of the warriors who have paid the ultimate price. But I was looking at some of these statistics of the amount of money that the military is given with which to operate and to pay the soldiers and all the rest of it. And I got to tell you, it's hardly enough to put your life and the security of your family on the line every day. And I would say the same about uh, the people who serve in the police department. And yet, both of those groups over time in history have been demeaned, spit upon. Now they're talking about defunding, uh, eliminating. And, And so it's not just that we ask them to do that, to stay on the wall for us, but then we treat them badly. And that just is, uh, is amazing to me. But it, it's an era, an age of abject hypocrisy. And no matter what side of the aisle you're sitting on, because I see the hypocrisy on both sides. You know, I've long since uh, come to the conclusion that there's a professional political class in this country and that it's very hard to get elected to public office and not become part of that professional political class. Even if you have all the uh, right intentions, even if your motives were good when you went up there, something happens. You know, I used to say it was in the water. Sometimes I, um, I get more specific and say it's in the amount of money that is shoved at them and the amount of prestige, that power that comes with being elected to Congress, the Senate, to the, the uh, governor's house or the or the presidency, you know, there's a certain amount of power that some people can't handle. And they become uh, very full of themselves, and then they lose sight of what the purpose is, how they're there to serve us at our behest. And maybe it's our fault, because we don't hold their feet to the fire. When they don't do what we sent them there to do, we reelect them. You know, go figure. People used to ask me about term limits, and I would say, oh, we have term limits every two years in the House, you know? We have term limits in the Senate, staggered term limits all the time. We have presidential term limits, gubernatorial term limits. We got term limits. It's called elections. We don't exercise them. And now many of us are a little concerned that maybe voting isn't necessarily... Uh, as safe and secure and as fail-proof as we thought it was. So there's that. Uh, Our governor assigned an election election integrity bill. Apparently he did it on Fox and Friends or something. You know, listen, if if anybody had asked me about that, I would say, why? You know, just do it in front of the uh, legislature that put the bill on your desk. Do it in front of your constituents. I know the majority of them watch uh, the Fox News Network, but gee, with... It just seems as though they become superstars, even the ones who are still doing the right thing. And that's, uh, I don't like all that. Uh, There's nothing more exciting to me than a humble politician. You know, you see that in guys like uh, Brian Mass. But, you know, 
to him, this is, you know, a, a humbling experience, much like everything else in his life. He thinks, you know, having both your legs blown off is, is okay if you're doing it for the right reasons. So these are humble guys, heroic guys, men and women who serve up there. I know them. There's just not enough of them. And I'm going to be talking to another one of them, or an aspiring one, in a little while today. And uh, believe me, I take my responsibility very seriously about vetting candidates. And there could be people I love uh, dearly on the individual basis, on a person-to-person basis, who I would never think make good uh, congressmen or, or, or senators or governors or anything else. And I tell you that. It doesn't mean that they're not great you know, people or that they're not good uh, journalists or whatever it is that I happen to know them as. And, and I'm just honest with you. And I know that freaks a lot of people out. But I will vet this person because he, he came recommended by my friend Ann Coulter. And uh, she's about as uh, tough on candidates as I am. She makes mistakes. So do I. You know, certainly Mitt Romney was her biggest mistake. You know, West was my biggest mistake. Everybody makes mistakes. We're all entitled to make mistakes, right? Um, But the one thing I don't make mistakes about is pointing out the worst hypocrisy of the week. It's Friday, so I always like to give you the worst hypocrisy of the week. And I had to wait all the way until yesterday to find a winner in this category. There were plenty of contenders, but this was hands down the winners. Uh, and, it, and, and I haven't even mentioned her name in such a long time. The head of the squad, um, you know, Sandy Cortez, as uh, Tucker refers to her, or Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, as she's formerly known, literally championed Planned Parenthood who I think of as the nation's largest abortion provider, as a, quote, heroic, life-saving organization. (laughs) During a virtual House Oversight and Reform Committee hearing titled Birthing While Black, Examining America's Black Maternal Health Crisis, the progressive lawmaker passionately defended the organization this is the organization that performs hundreds of thousands of abortions annually, a disproportionate amount of them in minority communities. So uh, there were more black babies aborted in New York in 2018 than there were born. But somehow AOC wants to applaud the efforts of uh, Planned Parenthood. And she said, I don't want to hear a single person on this committee or outside of this committee talk about valuing life when they continue to uphold the death penalty, when they continue to support policies that disproportionately incarcerate and lead to the deaths of black men and people throughout this country. If we want to talk about Planned Parenthood, let's talk about how many lives Planned Parenthood has saved and how many babies have been born because of the prenatal care provided by Planned Parenthood. Well, you know what? We could probably talk about that in two minutes. It would take a lot longer to talk about other things. Then she she went into some long-winded, I'm going to have to see this uh, bear fruit or be truthful, some long-winded description about how her mother used the prenatal care through Planned Parenthood while she was pregnant with her. 
And I, I, okay. I'm kind of wondering if her mother went there for prenatal care or if her mother had gone there uh, perhaps for some other service. And then uh, I'm just going to leave that out there in the, in the uh, atmosphere. Okay. So she's a Planned Parenthood baby. You, you can't make that stuff up. You, you just can't. During the 2019 to 2020 annual report year that the healthcare provider has to put out a report, this is their report, okay? Not my uh, um, impression, not my analysis. This is their actual report. During that period of time, they provided, performed 354,871 abortions in the span of just one year. And during that same period of time, they offered 8,000 prenatal services. 354,000 versus 8,000. Give me a break. Of course, they list millions of other services that they do, contraceptive counseling, pregnancy tests, cancer screenings, so that, that then they can say abortions only amount to 3% of the services it provides. It's just not true. They are an abortion agency. End of story. The abortion rate for black women is almost five times that for white women. And that's not me. That's the Guttmacher Institute, which is a pro-choice research organization, okay? It's not a conservative group. So despite only accounting for 14% of the childbearing population in America, black women obtain 36% of reported abortions. And I'm not here to debate the whys and hows and the whos and the whats. But I'm here to talk about the facts. And for uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to say that the only light in which we are allowed to discuss Planned Parenthood is in the, la in the light of prenatal pregnancy services? Give me a break. You know, they did like 8,000 of those. And they did, let me repeat that number, 354,871 abortions in the same time period. Don't. Don't, don't, don't be a jerk uh, and a hypocrite. And she even brought up race, but didn't bother telling you that uh, the abortion rate was five times that, uh, that it was for white women. This is, it's, they're just, do they not realize that there are enough of us out here watching what they say and then doing the research and then exposing them? I guess not. I guess they really live in that bubble where they think, uh, you know, nobody's going to remember what they said and nobody's going to tell the truth and they're going to go unchallenged. Well, that's nonsense. They will be challenged every day somewhere, whether it's on a conservative radio program or in a newspaper article, they will be challenged. Just saying, you know. Um, so the, uh, the president has decided that everybody has to pay their share. And you know what that means. What that means is, uh, is you, get, you better get ready. There's no, uh, there's no formula by which you can pay for everything that's being proposed and actually being passed in Congress and signed by this president that would allow him to be able to do it by only taxing people who make over $400,000 a year. You know, if, if they're asking for your fair share, that's you, your fair share, not their fair share, okay? Because Joe Biden himself avoided paying taxes. The, the very same man who wants the IRS to hunt down the rich, 
was using all kinds of loopholes to protect himself. When he left the vice presidency in 2017, he and his wife exploited a tax loophole of uh, highly questionable legality, actually, to dodge hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes and use the savings to fund lavish real estate holdings. While the couple paid full income taxes on all their revenue, classifying most of their earnings as corporate profits rather than wages allowed them to avoid paying half a million dollars in payroll taxes. Okay, just saying. So trust me, when he says pay their fair share, he's talking about you. He's not talking about himself. All right, Uh, we're going to take a break. I want to remind you to download the app, the 850 WFTL app. When you do that, you can listen to this show on your phone, anywhere you are. You can listen to our podcasts, whether it's Full Rigor by Karen Curtis or um, Cool Dad Rules by by Bill uh, Adams or uh, Joyce Kaufman, No Restraint. Got a new one dropping this afternoon. It's a little uh, deep. It's a little research intensive. It's a little like hard. It's a little intellectual. So don't expect to be going rah, 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 but maybe take out a pen and a pad and take some notes because it's about time that we really, 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 really examined what's happening with our privacy. Anyway, stay right where you are. So somebody told me yesterday that was listening to the show that they'd rather listen to my coughing than listen to Joy Reid, <laughs> which I thought was just awesome. But, uh, you know, it's probably, uh, probably one person out of a thousand. Um, anyway, uh, so much that I'm not going to get to today, but that I, I can at least sort of slim over. And one thing I did want to say today, since I do honor the military on Fridays, Forgotten Soldiers Outreach is having a family-friendly day-to-remember Memorial Day service at Palm Beach Memorial Park on Monday, May 31st. (coughs) So actually, there are a lot of, and they're going to have uh, Jim Sackett's going to be the um, Masters of Ceremonies, and they're going to have a whole bunch of people speaking, and it's always important to do something on that day, and not to play it off like it's not an important day. It's not just a barbecue, you know? Memorial Day is for us to remember those who gave the, paid the ultimate price. They gave their lives for us. So we'll always have a listing on our website. Karen Curtis is great about this. She'll have a listing of where the various uh, Memorial Day services and um, celebration, not celebration, it's not a celebration, it's an acknowledgement where they'll be taking place. I generally go to one in my area, usually the Tamarack, and sometimes I go to the, uh, to the, to the cemetery. Um, depending on last year, I couldn't because COVID made it virtually impossible to do anything. <coughs> but this year, I think I'm going to get back into the into the lot of the groove. I don't know about the rest of you, but I went to the gym this morning, and there was a big sign up at the gym. And for the first time, I did not get my temperature taken. They said we are disbanding the temperature checks. So I got all excited, and I thought, "Oh, are we disbanding the mask mandate as well?" Not quite yet. But I've been observing people walking around maskless. And it's really, I forgot what it was like to see everybody's face. It's very disturbing and disquieting to only see people's half faces. 
I never got used to that. I don't know about the rest of you, but I always found that the hardest part of, of COVID has been not getting to see people's faces. And I did discover that I really don't know my neighbors from the nose up. Just don't. You know, they can walk right up to me in Publix a year later. And if they're covered from the nose down, uh, like, I'm sorry, I, I don't recognize your eyes. If, unless they have, like, you know, uh, interesting hair that I would remember. Most of us uh, just have pretty unexpressive eyes behind a mask. There are some people who are wearing masks that I think should keep the masks on because I do know what they look like under that mask, and I'd rather they, I'd rather they wear a mask. They could actually wear a full mask, and I'd be okay with that. I probably should not have said that on the air, huh? Well, that person's probably not listening. Uh, Liz Cheney's sinking fast. In case anybody thought it was just me and a handful of other people, no, 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 no. Uh, if you listen around the dial to other radio programs or if you go online, uh, the number three in GOP leadership, that's her position in the U.S. House, is sinking fast. Now, back in February, she survived a vote of no confidence, but uh, she didn't let up, man. She kept going after Republicans and in particular going after President Trump, who's not even in office anymore. And now it appears that she has finally worn out her welcome. Uh, GOP leaders like Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise are on record questioning her ability to do her job. And you know what her job is as that third in command? She's supposed to raise money, but she's too busy tearing down uh, people in the party and particularly a very popular person in the party by the name of Donald Trump to do her job. So now we have... uh, Elise Stefanik, the representative from New York, who everybody's going, oh, but she's such a moderate. You don't want her in leadership. I think she'd be a good candidate for leadership. I I, I just believe that. You know why? Because she is a New Yorker, and New Yorkers always speak their mind. Except for Chuck Schumer, who has no mind, uh, and AOC, who, well, actually, she does speak her mind, but it's a little, little, bitty mind, and it doesn't have anything really brilliant to say. Um... So here you go. I mean, and now now it's getting so interesting out here. Charlie Crist is running, right, for governor. I mean, Ron DeSantis is a class, class act, a classy guy, too. But uh, his comment when he found out uh, publicly, I, I guess a reporter asked him, was like, what's he running as? I mean, he was a Republican, and then he was a independent, and then he was a Democrat. Like, we're running out of parties here, unless he runs Green Party, you know. He's pretty much uh, exhausted the list of of, uh, viable parties in this country. And I'm not so sure how viable the Green Party is. Anyway, uh, don't forget, coming up at 3 o'clock is the Ben Shapiro show. Uh, And, and, you know, I've discovered that the best way to listen to the Ben Shapiro show, and forgive me, Ben, because I know he's now, you know, local, um, but the more caffeine I have in me, the easier it is to understand, Ben. And then followed at 5 o'clock by the uh, all-new Michael Knowles show. And then at 6 o'clock, um, I don't know what happens at 6 o'clock. 
Oh, we have the uh, Palm Beach uh, newspaper has a show for an hour, and you get to hear my special uh, three-minute piece in that hour as well. So there's no reason to change the dial. And Jen and Bill will be back Monday morning, and we'll start this madness all over again. In the meantime, just stay right where you are. And yes, it's that time where I get to check in with my, my connection at TMZ, my son Derek. How are you? I'm doing well. A lot of big news, and uh, none of it pandemic-related. I think we're through the woods here. This is just regular news now. I'm telling you, and and we don't have to wear masks in Florida anymore, except that some of the local uh, mayors and councils are still insisting on it in governmental buildings, but I'm done with COVID. That's all I can tell you. Yeah, it seems like the world is as well, because it no longer sort of dominates the headlines, although what's going on in India is pretty scary. But here, things have really turned the corner. Yeah, exactly. Um, I did want to talk about uh, California specifically, and the first thing that comes to my mind is, what do you think are the odds of Caitlyn Jenner actually successfully unseating Gavin Newsom? Yeah, it's it's remarkable. This has really uh, gained some steam. I initially thought, really good chance. You know, these recalls are wild because you only need a plurality. So being a celebrity, obviously, in California helps a lot because there'll be the more people that join the recall ballot, the greater the chances of the biggest celebrity winning because they only need right. to, you know, have maybe 20 or 30 percent of the votes. That's how Schwarzenegger got in. Um, and, you know, Caitlyn's a huge name. Caitlyn Jenner is a huge name, and I'm sure we'll see others pop up. You know, last round there was Gary Coleman and Mary Carey and all these sort of lesser celebrities, but Caitlyn is definitely the front runner for the recall. But this interview last night, I'm not sure went so well. Did you catch it? I did, and it didn't go well at all, primarily because she seemed uh, particularly unprepared. I mean, you have to know that certain questions are going to be asked by Sean Hannity um, and that you're not going to be getting a softball piece. And uh, she got very emotional multiple times during the interview and weepy. And, you know, I I still when I look at her, I still see a decathlon winning Olympic athlete named Bruce Jenner. I'm sorry. I don't think it's just me who's sees that and she was just so uh so feminine (laughs) yeah listen i think uh that's part of it uh and i also think you know when schwarzenegger did this because it's obviously going to be compared to schwarzenegger he by all accounts was a real policy wonk really wanted to dig into um being a politician and the sense i got was not as much preparation, sort of feeling there was emotion behind mm-hmm. what Caitlin wants to do and how she sees California crumbling and so forth. And and frankly, I, I see it as well. And maybe she's just running on that emotional message of uh, what, what we're doing isn't working. So let's try some change. But she's going to need to bone up on some of the details, it looks like. Absolutely. And, and also to gain acceptance um, from, you know, whatever is left of the Republican Party in the state of California. And it's pretty tattered. I mean, you got, uh, you've, you've got a, a Democrat majority in both of your houses. Um, you have predominantly Democrats that you send to Washington. So uh, she's going to need support from the remnant of the Republican Party there. And I don't know that, uh, that, that her interview last night is going to sit well with them. 
Yeah, it remains to be seen. There's something that used to be called a California Republican. It's a type of Republican that's a little more sort of liberal on uh, certain social issues. Uh, but it's, it's unclear to me what, where, where Caitlin falls, because she's obviously taken a harder stance on transgender issues than, than people expected with her comments about their involvement in sports. So I'm not sure she's going to appeal to California Republicans. And it's going to be a hard sell to hardliners of the, the new Republican Party because she was antagonistic towards Trump at times. So mm-hmm. you're right. There's difficulties. She's going to have to figure out a path. Yeah. But only in California is there even a possibility for her to get elected. So, you know, it, it does make That's it right. interesting. We're the Wild West out here, literally. <laughs> yeah, literally. And then, of course, if we just head a little bit north of uh, of where you are to the, the state of Washington, we have what promises to be the most interesting divorce in decades. I mean, this makes Jeff Bezos look like a very friendly divorce when we talk about Bill and Melinda Gates. Yeah, things are getting wild. You know, they tried to control this as much as they could um, with their, you know, joint statement in the beginning. But, you know, 27-year marriages don't typically end in the amicable fashion that they try to make it seem like. And so a lot of things are coming to light that this was in the works for a long time. Um, We had sources that told us that Melinda Gates rented this this island in Grenada. You know, when you're that wealthy, you can rent an entire island for $132,000 a night. And the plan was to take all the kids and their significant others to come to the island, but no bill. And this was apparently part of uh, him becoming kind of persona non grata in the family. Uh, and this was months ago. This was back in, in, you know, March. And here we are, you know, this was, this, this indicates that things have been working their way out for a while because we're also seeing these stock uh, transfers because there's obviously tons of money to go around. Um, we just got a new one about a Coca-Cola bottling factory that she's getting, uh, in Mexico, you know, uh, right? 25 million shares of. Right. Um, yesterday, we had news that she was getting uh, $1.8 billion worth of shares of AutoNation and some Canadian National Rail- Railway Company. So you're going to start seeing this stuff leak out. And this is sophisticated you know, transactions that get worked out by lawyers and then mm-hmm. executed in these ways. Um, but this has been going on for a while. Now, the, the law firm that's handling his side of this is the law firm that you used to work for, Munger, Tolls and Olson. And as soon as I saw that name come up where it said Charlie Munger was going to be representing Bill Gates, I thought, Charlie Munger's got to be 100 years old. Well, it is not Charlie Munger. The, the, the main check of the firm is, is Munger, Tolls and Olson, and Charlie is the, the one of the founders of the firm. But he hasn't practiced law in a long time. But you're right, the firm... Uh, and some heavy hitters, you know, uh, were listed on the documents, Ron Olson, Bob Denham, and, uh, you know, a, a younger attorney. So this, it's a serious law firm. I worked there. Um, mm-hmm. And it does sort of indicate that maybe things are a bit more serious uh, than they're letting on. But we'll have to see how it plays plays out because these are expensive lawyers. This is not uh, necessarily who you would hire for a quickie divorce. So we'll exactly. have to see. There are some, some signs. Yeah, well, what's, what's the, you know, the, the billing rate for Munger, Tolls, and Olson per hour? Uh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said to my audience. I said, I, I know this personally, that these guys bill thousands of dollars per hour, you know, and, and for everything that needs to be done. I mean, this is like definitely stuff that you used to deal with, the dismantling of, you know, of, of, uh, of companies and everything else. It's going to be very interesting. Trust me. It's going to be a front page news story. 
Yeah, the other thing to keep in mind, though, is he's so fabulously wealthy that, yes, these billable hours are huge. But to Bill Gates, he doesn't feel this. <laughs> you know, right. he, won't, he wouldn't even feel it. So maybe he can just hire uh, whatever law firm he wants. It's yeah. not like he has to be cost conscious. Let's put it that yeah. way. Yeah. No, you're right. I, and I, I don't have a, a tremendous amount of, you know, uh, sympathy for him either. Now that we're finding out that, like, every year he got to go away for a weekend with his old girlfriend. I mean, who lives like that? Yeah, no, listen, he had he had, he had quite an arrangement, and all of this stuff is sort of trickling out, and it's interesting because a documentary about him came out not too long ago where he's quirky, and he's very into sort of taking these getaways to read books and going to a cabin alone and just bringing a stack of books and reading, and, you know, it painted a, an interesting portrait of, of, of this guy, and now I think you're going to hear stories about uh, that may be less flattering. So we'll see. I mean, we have to, you're right. This is going to be a story for a while. Yeah, he scares me. He always scared me. I mean, uh, he, you know, you might be the software genius of all time and have figured out how to put together a company that's, you know, unrivaled, really, when you think about it. And if it hadn't been for Jeff Bezos and Amazon, you'd still be the richest man in the world. But there's something megalomaniac about him. If you ever watch, like, his TED Talks and things like that, he thinks he's an epidemiologist. You know, he's going to, you know, change Africa. It's He's a bit over the top for me scary yeah look I mean very very successful people uh, tend to be uh, have certain personality types <laughs> so uh, it's hard to, it's hard to become a mega mega billionaire being completely warm and cuddly so yeah, no, who knows? That's, we'll see that's for sure so now what happened to uh, you know our girl Kim Kardashian like did she steal stuff from Italy no, so but this is a, a fascinating story. So there is a, a statue, and occasionally you'll see these lawsuits from the, it's like a U.S. government versus a particular old statue from, you know, another another country and from the first century. So there's one of these lawsuits, um, and they're, they're, they're fairly common. Sometimes you see them about dinosaur bones because we have treaties with other countries, um, and Italy being one of those countries we have a treaty with, saying if we ever get things that are stolen, cultural artifacts, uh, we'll get them returned to you. So there was an importation in 2016 of uh, it's 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 a first or second century AD very old statue, and it's just the bottom half. You know how some of the, some of the parts are lost to history, right. um, and it's nice. It's like a draping around some legs, and it was imported to something called the Noel Roberts Trust and Kim Kardashian. Noel Roberts, Kim Kardashian's middle name is Noel, and her father's name obviously is Roberts, so sometimes you name your trust in these ways. Right. But the government says, well, we did some digging, and this looks like a cultural artifact. And they, mm. you know, an archeologist from Italy said this could have come from us, and it may have been looted originally. So if you can't trace the provenance, which is the, the chain of custody, uh, we're gonna have to take that back. Now, this doesn't mean Kim did anything wrong. I want right. to be perfectly clear. You can buy something and not know where it came from. But it does mean that uh, you got to give it back if, if it's determined that it was was looted. So this statue hangs in the balance of, <laughs> of uh, you know, it, it may have to go back to Italy. She may have had like a priceless artifact, right. uh, but she may not have known, you know. Right, so right. so keep that in mind. But it's it's fascinating. Sometimes you'll see these with dinosaur bones as well. The rich just are so different. That's all I can say. You know, I'm yeah, talking. Do, do, well, do you remember this, this Hidden Hills house that Kanye and Kim were building back in the day? It looks like a museum. It has all right. these white walls, and you could you could imagine this statue being part of it. 
Right. Uh, there's pictures of it in the lawsuit. So uh, who knows? We'll see how it plays out. But like I said, it's not like she necessarily knew or did anything wrong. But, you know, when you're that rich, you can afford a you know, half a million dollar uh, statue from Italy. <laughs> yes. So I was talking to my audience, you know, it's getting close to the time where I'm going to have to finally uh, allow my Toyota to uh, retire. And uh, I said, and so I was, you know, my kids would have me buy an electric car or a, a hybrid car. And then I described your Fiat and I got a slew of email from people saying, don't buy a Fiat. <laughs> I don't have the Fiat anymore, but no. yes, it was tiny. It was, <laughs> it was t- tiny, but zippy. You rode around in it. I know. I I, I rear-ended some guy and his uh, yeah. chauffeur. <laughs> but but on my way to doing it right, it's like a little remote control car. And it didn't. It couldn't hurt anything. That was the best part. You know, it's like, it was just like paper mache or something. I don't know. But I don't think I'll be I'll be getting that. Uh, any other big breaking stories that you want to cover? I think we covered the big ones. I mean, yeah. this is a, keep keep checking back on uh, on the website, but it's just nice to see a a page of uh, you know interesting news that is not related to uh, a pandemic. Or I, politics. I find it refreshing at this point. So uh, I'll let you I'll let you slide on Facebook's banning the president, but uh, we'll talk about that next week because I just need the legal perspective on all this. I think that it's time. You to, got it. We'll do it next week. Yeah, it's time to take away all these special uh, privileges that these internet providers and these social media guys have. You know, they're publishers by any stretch of the imagination. Anyway, thanks for your time. Talk to you next week. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye bye. So, of course, the uh, jobs numbers came out today, and you can expect that uh, that the Jen Psaki, who is, oh, she's just such a refreshing change. That's what I heard a whole bunch of uh, people online talking about. You know, she's such a lady. And I'm thinking, really, as compared to... Uh, Kaylee McEnany or Sarah Huckabee Sanders? I'm not seeing this, you know. Maybe it's just me, but whatever. But so look at these job numbers because, you know, the only thing I can say is I can echo Charles Payne, who this morning said that that this jobs report, you can congratulate the president on hitting the tip of the progressive utopia iceberg. And this is why. Uh, the U.S. added just 266,000 jobs in April, which is way under the nearly 1 million that economists had expected. And the unemployment rate ticked up to 6.1%. And they were looking for a million jobs, and they didn't get it. So this is probably the biggest miss relative to expectations in the history of the payrolls report. Just saying. And this is this is relevant because I'll tell you what, what the real story is. There are 7.4 million job openings right now, but only 266,000 people actually got a job. It turns out that paying people not to work has some pretty serious consequences. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. This is what happens when the government pays people to stay home. Socialist dependency, this is the strategy. And what it does is it disincentivizes workers and it creates unmotivated dependents who depend on the government for their, their pay. This is not the America that people like you and I grew up in or, or want to live in, really. 
And if this is the high watermark for the Biden-Harris administration on jobs, it's going to be all downhill from here, okay? And that's relevant because, of course, I keep hearing about, you know, what a great, uh, what a great relief it is that Donald Trump is gone, even though, gosh, when you look at those eco- economy numbers of Donald Trump in the first year of his presidency, in the second year of his presidency, in the third year of his presidency, had coronavirus not hit, in the fourth year of his pregnancy would have been added to that. And instead, I'm now looking at someone uh, you know, who's, who's paying people to stay home. And I, I have two friends who recently told me they could not find anyone to work. You just can't make this up. Al Franken's back in the news, too. He, he's warning that the woke era and the cancel culture are dangerous. No kidding, Al. Took you out first. And people like me actually defended you and said that I didn't understand why you should be drummed out for a picture that was, you know, old and basically uh, nobody understood what was going on prior to the picture or after. I know the, the girl was asleep or something and he had his hand um, over her breast, but good God, by today's standard, that old photograph wouldn't get you, uh, you know, wouldn't get you very far in the political world. This is dangerous, even for Democrats, this whole woke era and this cancel culture. Any, anybody who is clear thinking knows this is, this is dangerous. He, he was talking, I, I, I'm trying to remember where it was, the, I think it was a, a video on Rumble that I saw it, where he was, to, oh, it was just the news, yeah. And, and he was talking about how um, there are comedians who won't perform on college campuses anymore because of this cancel culture. <coughs> you used to do pretty sophisticated, edgy stuff that you had to think about. And now anything anybody can possibly take offense at uh, can can just knock you right out of the right out of the ballpark. You know, Howard Feynman was was uh, the the MC of this. Anyway, that does it for me this week. I thank you for your time this time until next time. And I will be back on Monday if it be his will and he delays his coming. And hopefully I won't be uh, at all afflicted by this, this uh, whatever it is. I think it's allergies, a cold, a cough, who knows? Whatever it is, it'll be gone. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. Stay well. Have a great weekend. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.